1: Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Kramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street.
2: Joe, thank you very much. The Federal Reserve is announcing that it will not renew the capital relief it had provided for the largest banks that uh, came with the uh, Treasury market disruption uh, from the pandemic a year ago. The relief from the so called supplementary leverage ratio is going to expire as planned March 31st. That is as scheduled. Now, the board saying, the Federal Reserve Board, that is saying it will see comment to adjust the supplementary leverage ratio over time, but not immediately. It's saying it may need to adjust the design and calibration of it over time. Uh, Fed officials in a background call saying the Treasury market has stabilized. They are not anticipating any disruption in in the Treasury markets and confident this will not create constraints at this time. They say the large banks have $200 billion in excess capital even after the suspension is lifted. Uh, Carl, this uh, SLR relief allowed the banks to hold treasuries and other reserves uh, and not have to reserve against them. Now they will, but the Fed saying that the banks still have uh, excess capital. We'll see how the treasury markets and uh, banks in general trade as a result of this decision by the Federal Reserve. Carl?
1: Yeah, uh, Steve, thank you. Uh, It's been a long time uh, coming as people have been waiting for a headline like that. You can see futures moving a bit on that news. Steve Leisman, thank you very much. Take one more look at futures. We are trying to look for some stabilization today. By the way, welcome to Squawk in the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Yields did back off a touch today. Uh, Quad witching is going to keep things interesting. You got Nike FedEx earnings, uh, some new lockdowns in Europe, guys as uh, we are expected to administer our 100th millionth vaccine today. But, uh, Jim, uh, futures coming in. I guess at this point, are we hair-trigger sensitive to any uh, incremental policy change by the Fed?
3: Yes. I mean, I, I, look, I think the Fed could have said, we are looking at things and uh, you should think about them. And it would have been a reason for interest rates to go higher. I mean, this one... Mo- it is so obvious what's happening here. I mean, when you saw that meager, uh, very small increase in the pri- price of bonds this morning, you just came back and you said to yourself, are you kidding me? I mean, is that the only rally that bonds can have? The- this market wants tech to go down more. It just feels like this down 7% Nasdaq's not enough. We haven't had a whoosh. David, you mm-hmm. know that the NASDAQ is far weaker than we talk about in the sense that there is just intraday sags, and it's on very big volume, whereas the huge increase in the price of cyclicals is on very small volume. It doesn't matter. There's only a few cyclicals, a handful, but they can go up every day. And right now, trying to stabilize, let's say, a Microsoft requires a tremendous amount of volume. So, but you do need interest rates to be stable before anyone can come in and say, you know what, I'm buying Microsoft down three because I feel like it's no longer, I'm no longer a butcher block. I just kind of feel like when the knife hits me, it's glancing. Even uh, if we do stabilize at one point seven? I don't think we're going to. I mean we should. I think this backup is really incredible. But you think we're headed
4: I mean you think we're headed even higher? Yeah. I yields? Do. Yeah. So. You're not alone. I mean you're certainly not alone. No, you're starting to hear now, of course, as you might expect, given how few points separate one seven, one seven from two, you're starting to hear a lot of people say it's gonna have a two handle by by the summer. We um, need to
3: see Canadian deal labor, uh, uh, so therefore lumber come down. Mm-hmm. We need to see that more than that this huge number of this, this Superstorm Uri, 30 to 60 percent of our plastics are offline. That's got to change. That Somehow it's got to change this quarter or else the Ford upgrade by uh, Barclays is going to be wrong. Right. Uh, so let's just say that uh, we've got to see some break in in these the transitory points of inflation, David, or else we're going to go to two.
4: And what happens to technology stocks and what happens to multiples overall? Well, then I mean, we is have it going to scenario. be more of the same for the next few months? Yeah. Well,
3: we have the scenario that we had in, in December 15 and to February 16, where you had a stock like Salesforce go from, uh, from 80 to 50. That hasn't happened yet. And Salesforce is a great company. Carl, we still haven't had what I regard as being the give-up, the great give-up in tech. Uh, yesterday was hideous, down 3%. We're getting there. Yesterday was one of those days where you started seeing acceptance that fang, fang, whatever, is, is, uh, is dead and yeah. gone. But there's still some people who keep saying, this is our chance. We've got to
1: get those people out. Well, uh, Jim, to your point, uh, B of A this morning, uh, they say growth in tech exposure to U.S. rates is the highest since 99, uh, significantly larger than the taper tantrum in 2013. If you look at a uh, rolling three-month beta of daily NASDAQ returns uh, to the 10-year Treasury yield changes, we do have some pretty big calls this morning on the 10-year itself. Uh, Goldman reiterates they still think we end the year at 1.9. Uh, B of A goes from 1.75 uh, to 2.15, Jim. Uh, Interestingly, can accord this morning, Tony Dwyer, our friend, downgrading financials on a relative basis because he thinks we are in an intermediate term rate of change peak on the 10 year. And then in Tony's words, this is not a complicated call. I loved his call.
3: I just loved it. And that is uh, that is what has to happen first. That's a prelude to tech uh, bottoming. Now, right now, Tony is not consensus, as he often is. The consensus will come to him. Uh, That was a bold call. I endorse it. Those stocks have moved way up too fast. But that money has to come out of there first before we see tech bottom. I salute him, by the way. I mean, I'm watching all these stocks. There was a UBS. uh, We did have a downgrade of a bank today of of, uh, U.S. Bank Corp. And that was a gutsy thing because U.S. Bank Corp has had an incredible run. Right. But uh, I thought they can't accord. I thought that Tony's really onto something. Uh, he, right now, he seems very alone. But, David, he won't be alone. Those stocks have moved up. It, look, have you talked to any of the bank You always talk to bankers. Uh, yeah, I do. I do spend well, you know, time still they talking say, to bankers.
4: They say, can you believe our stock? Uh, you're, you're not kidding. I mean, <laughs> That's
3: what funny. they say. Can That's you so
4: believe true. it, Jim? How did this happen? We look at names like that a lot for obvious reasons. They're right. some of the largest market cap. But, you know, uh, here's another name that, uh, Jim, we don't talk about that often. Jeffries? Take a look at that name. I mean, look at the move in some of these stocks. It's far beyond that. You're talking about, a, you know, a company that was uh, what? Three billion dollars in revenues uh, to five billion in the last 12 months. Yeah, I know. Uh, so, guys, I and mean, we can take a look at that. It's not just these names. There have been so many that have benefited. Look at the moves. By the way, we found we're found talking out talking about Goldman's making just, good money. Yeah, say again.
3: We found out why Goldman's making good money. They're making their associates work hard.
4: They're making them work. Well, 100 hours is a <laughs> lot of hours. Why? Mm. I'll tell you what they really like is for them to come back to the darn office. Well, uh, it's the partners but when you partners that have not when you have revenue gains, like likes of what you've seen with Jeffries, which now got a more than $8 billion market value, or Andor Goldman, which, as we pointed out, is at new highs, maybe you're not as, you know, all right, it's working. But, uh, but a lot of them are still away. They may be working 100 hours in their living rooms or wherever, or their... Apartments and who knows, or their condos on the mountain in Vale. I don't know. Mansions? No, these are the associates. They don't, oh, the they associates don't have. Ma- they don't have mansions. I mean, the fact
3: that the associates even that they have a voice, what is
1: that about?
4: Well, they're important.
1: <laughs> you, you it, Carl, they're you, the you didn't write uh, letters yeah. letters to the editor when you were young at Goldman. Uh, what, fire those people. Every one of them.
4: It's a different world, Jim, than the one that you grew up in or it even is. I did or Carl did. Yes, it is. I Very much so. World. Very different. Now you give them gifts. Give them gifts. You give them Pelotons.
3: Well, I, I, it's not the world. The people. They're supposed to work really. I don't get it. The fact that they're complaining about five <laughs> hours, they're only getting five hours sleep. I mean, they're oversleeping. I, I, I don't understand any of this. What world? What, yeah. I mean, my Not, world yeah. is just uh, obviously my world may be. Carl, I don't know. Maybe I'm out of date, out of step. I
5: don't know. Uh, really?
3: You're,
1: I, you're even uh, wondering well, I think you're you are? Definitely, yeah. I, you're at the edge of the bell curve in terms of stamina, Jim. We all know that. So but when uh, I gave I'm my sure test, a lot of the
3: golden... Look, Carl, I I taught from 8 to 11 on Friday nights. And then at 11 o'clock, I gave people a test, a quiz. And then, of course, I felt compelled to put the bottom five names up on Monday. To show who really just didn't pay attention. And that was regarded as being what we call
1: discipline. Wow. Um, Guys, we'll talk more about uh, the banks in a little bit. Um, But to David's point, uh, names like Fifth Third, I think David, is up 45 percent for the year. Uh, We'll see how much that changes uh, given today's action. FedEx-Nike is the other big story. FedEx is going to open up about 5.5 percent. Pretty nice beat, 347 uh, beats 323. Revenue ahead. They give guidance, Jim, for the first time in about a year. uh, Midpoints at 1790, streets at 1740. That was a joyous call. I
3: mean, first they started by talking about the unbelievable job they've done on vaccines, which is incredible. I mean, when you look at the at the botch in Europe, I mean, FedEx is integral to what they did with vaccines. And the fact is, is that we keep hearing about logistics, supply chain. You want to know what logistics and supply chain are? Go talk to FedEx. This was a fantastic call. The ground yields. Oh, my. They're making a ton of money on ground yield. The guidance upside. You're so right, Carl. The level of certainty that they had. It was like the old FedEx where you just said, all right, let me bring it on. Here's a company that knows what it's doing. You know something, David? There are companies that know what they're doing. And there are, then there are companies that say, I don't know, 20, whoa, 2021, who knows? Not FedEx. <laughs>
4: no. They didn't play that can, game. You can at least be somewhat understanding of why a company might be so uncertain. Um, but I, I hear you. What not could be more uncertain than, than a million packages a Aren't day?
3: Right. Yeah. Right. E-commerce exploding and they making money off it. My hat is off to them. Fred Smith. Remember, everyone was like saying, well, maybe he's too old. <laughs> yeah, they, they should work. They should sleep four hours a day to keep up with that, man.
4: Um I know there was that <laughs> time when the stock was suffering a bit and they were having. Listen, they did have a string of sort of quarterly misses and they had some ch- turnover. Yes. And and they did change things around. Now, uh, by the way, at the same time, as you well know, UPS has also had an incredible renaissance. Right? And, and Carol Tomei is not
3: getting any credit. She did a great job at, at CFO of. Uh, at Home Depot. And now I find that that stock, anytime it hits 164, sellers come out. Mm-hmm. My trust owns that. I, I think FedEx is. Rem- these are remarkable companies. We have a supply chain in this country. And these guys aren't talked about at all. About how- It's not them that kept the vaccines from people. They did it right from the get go. They did, David. David.
4: Wow. Look at how they track each other. Interesting. Well, they're I mean- in the same. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's, yeah, I have a keen sense for the obvious, as you guys yes. all know. So, yeah, the, Carl, yeah. see, that, he that noticed the me. trend.
3: <laughs> Look at this, what he noticed. <laughs> Two companies that do freight. they do? It's very similar wow. business.
4: <laughs> I just, it's I'm astonished. how those stocks have performed. Should we put very
3: up similar. the chart of Bristol-Myers there so we get a little compare?
1: Sure. <laughs> you guys, are on fire today. Uh, we'll get to Nike after the break. Uh, pretty interesting call. Our guy. Our, uh, revenue uh, metrics, especially in North America, and a clear comment on what's happening with the shipping delays and the port uh, the, uh, the delays as well. I got some calls on Ford, on Starbucks, a lot of stuff on uh, Petco today. We're back in a minute.
0: Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
6: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
4: 11 year media rights agreement. It could be worth more than $100 billion over that 10 year period or so, guys. Of course, this is a story we've been uh, talking about for quite some time. Uh, and every time we bring on one of the CEOs of a company that has already got the NFL, we would ask about it. It wouldn't really get too much, but we'd certainly expected, um, at least in recent months, uh, you know, based on my reporting and many others, that the current big uh, distributors of the NFL would remain the current big distributors of the NFL product. And that is the case. Amazon, though, uh, as had been reported a couple of weeks back, is going to get that Thursday night uh, package paying a billion dollars is what we're hearing uh, for the rights to do that, uh, to stream that on Thursday nights exclusively or solely. Uh, and then you've got everybody else participating in, in many ways the same way they are with additional streaming rights, Jim, and various other things. I mean, the biggest winner here is clearly the NFL. Yeah, I'm tired of reading that Disney was the biggest winner. (laughs) That's
3: ridiculous. (laughs) The NFL. I mean, you know, most people are. I I think it's shocking
4: how much they make. it's, It's almost a double. From what, you know, and again, we're hearing different numbers because you don't have it all uh, completely confirmed. But we'll assume, you know, somewhere in the value of, you know, for CBS, let's call it 23 billion for Fox, 24 billion, something like that. For our parent company, let's call it 21, 22 billion. You get you get over 100 billion when you add it all up. Some and but the increases overall are 100
3: percent. How much of it was Amazon coming in on Thursdays? The most boring games. Well, you called it tired night football, Well, that's what they tell me. I mean, look, I'm friends with enough players to know they call it tired night
4: football in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how they choose to broadcast it. It wasn't clear, Carl, that they did particularly well with some of the games that they had. Um, You know, but they also had help. Now it's going to be up to them is my understanding at this point. Uh, But it's an interesting decision for Amazon. It's not an insignificant commitment of capital for them to be spending a billion dollars a year over this time for that.
1: Uh, yeah, I know Goodell called it uh, a seminal moment in, uh, in, in football distribution. Thursdays will be interesting. I think also, David, I don't know if I got this right, but isn't ABC shuffling into the Super Bowl uh, rotation?
4: Yes, they are. I mean, it's ABC, yeah. ESPN, but ABC also, I believe, right, it's gonna, you're going to see uh, a Monday night, uh, you know, Disney obviously retaining that package. They're going to have, what, I think it's six additional regular season games. So they're going to have 23 versus the current 17. And there will be, as you say, three games on ABC. So you'll have sort of these double headers, Monday night football games with the SPN, um, Saturday games that'll have playoff implications. So they are they're getting more. They're spending a lot more and they're getting more. Uh, I've made the point, of course, Viacom in particular, given what they're going to be spending a year here. Let's call it two bill plus a year that with that move in that stock price that we've talked about Almost daily. Why wouldn't you sell some stock? You pay for it right away. You can pay for I mean, you're not going to pay 20, you know, the 23 billion total value over 10 years. But you can take care of a, a bunch of it up front here um, by selling even just a 10 percent stake if you wanted to or doing a, a giant convert. I was, hey, giant. Converters. Yeah. It makes so with, much, you sense. know, again, you're talking giant convert with a conversion premium anywhere near where the stock is and you're in a zero percent. Basically equity also. Who wants to criticize Mr. Backus, who's done a great job here? I think we had backish on, what was it, a couple of weeks back, asked him about the NFL. Here's what he had to say.
1: NFL is very much part of our streaming offering on both of our tiers, by the way, the $9.99 tier and the $4.99 tier. We provide tremendous value to our station affiliates uh, in the form of programming, including the NFL. They also, by the way, participate uh, economically uh, in the $9.99 version of the product. And look, this is an example of how media is transitioning to the multi-platform world.
4: And there it is, right? Paramount Plus has been granted new and expanded rights for the streaming service, allowing for the flexibility, and I'm reading here from Viacom's press release, to distribute NFL games on both that premium $9.99. The ad supported $4.99. That will debut in June. The rights begin with the 2021 season and extend through the length of the deal to 2033.
3: June. And, David, when you start seeing flex, more games can be flexed. That's just, once again, the I think the NFL s- selling out the fans in favor of TV. When you flex a game, right. you, you, you get right. everybody together, Carl, for a 1 o'clock game. And you know when we go to games, when you, you've been with me, a 1 o'clock game, what happens and it's suddenly a Sunday night game? And that, yeah. That's it. You can't take kids. Can't, everyone knows. Every fan knows that they've been sold out. But what the, network was always, what the NFL has always it's said to big, me when I complain is, all right, you want a lot of 1 o'clock games? That's because your teams are awful.
4: Well, the players are going to be a big winner here too, though, Carl. Uh, given what they can now expect in terms of their agreement, in terms of revenue share and everything else um, next year. And FanDuel and DraftKings are winners. And the network's very lucky because
3: people have to watch the end of the game because of fantasy, even if the games are horrible.
1: That's a great point. And also, uh, just putting Disney's week into perspective Disneyland opening, yeah. uh, this deal, Falcon Winter Soldier, of course, debuted at midnight, which is all the talk of social media this morning. Quick break, guys. We're back in a minute.
7: Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com.
4: All right, let's get to a mad dash. We've got about uh, seven minutes before we get started with what is the last trading session of the week. You want to talk a bit about Uh, Cruises and a lot of other things. I have been very pro the cruise line ships, not just because the
3: uh, the the Reddit crowd loves them. Uh, And the Reddit crowd's been right, by the way. They just go up, up, up. But there's going to be a big debate that's going to start that you're going to hear about, David. And it started yesterday with Rand Paul, Mm -hmm. uh, Senator Paul versus Dr. Fauci. Uh, And we had uh, Dr. Gottlieb way in this morning. If everybody is vaccinated, if the crew is vaccinated, okay, if all the passengers are vaccinated, shouldn't those ships be able to sail? I would think so. They're not. Why? They're not because the CDC doesn't want it. And I think it's beginning to become one of these issues that I think is going to be a flashpoint in this country. Which is, you mean, well, why did what we was get vaccinated? I know. I'm what already, was the
4: point of we're it? Already there, that conversation already is taking place. I think yes. it's taking place in some families. You know, you do, thankfully, have people who are starting to get not just double vaccinated, but now past the two weeks. Right. It's like, let's go out. Let's well, go to restaurants. Think, well, maybe not. What do you mean? Maybe well, not. I, Look, I think this is going to be the last go. point. Are you really going to allow these very
3: responsible companies who have done a lot and right. brought in all science, really done everything right, done everything that the government wants? And want, so what's don't want
4: the waiting for then, Jim, for, for the for the
3: positivity Because rate we be keep lower, hearing new case. I don't know. Be we're we're beginning, I think I think the world, Dr. Fauci. But we have to accept the fact that once we're vaccinated. If everyone is vaccinated, I'm not talking about testing people with PCR before they go on a cruise. Right. No, the cruise ship, the cruise liners, they don't even think that's responsible. They want vaccination proof. If you can vaccinate, if you can prove a vaccination, crew, passengers, right. why can't they ship? No, you're,
4: listen, this is going to be a debate. If is, it yes. becomes one, if, in fact, we start. Oh, what maybe? about school in the fall? I mean, it's know, again, brewing. People, it's got to.
3: Well, because what was the point? If we got vaccinated, why can't if everyone gets vaccinated, why can't we all get together on a cruise ship? They're being the, the casinos. They let the guys go in there because they're smoking and they're dri- well. They, you know what? I don't know why. You can't have be you cat- been vaccinated? Have you been vaccinated? Uh, I'm one in. <laughs> Talk to me later. Did she see that jump? Wow. You
4: got air there.
3: Yeah, before you know, talk, talk, six weeks ago, that would, of course, no. mean yeah. a relapse and right back. Yeah, to, you'd be, uh, the be on and your go. back for. But thankfully,
4: and let's, not, let's hope that didn't happen. Thankfully, he's jumping around again. All right, we got an opening bell a few minutes from now. Stay with us on Squawk on the Street.
1: The first high-profile meeting between the United States and the Chinese turned a little more contentious than some might have expected by several accounts. The Secretary of State talked about the United States and the Chinese reengaging. Here's what he said.
0: I'm hearing deep satisfaction that the United States is back, that we're reengaged with our allies and partners. I'm also hearing deep concern about some of the actions your government is taking, uh, and we'll have an opportunity to discuss those Uh, When we get down to work.
1: Uh, Jim, this has sort of been on the back burner uh, for a few quarters, but it's it's bound to come back this year.
3: I think that this was uh, you couldn't afford to be weak in front of uh, your home audience. So this is a bit of posturing. I'm getting a sense that we're going back to a Paulson period where strategic economic dialogue is, frankly, encouraging. So I did not think I'm taking the other side of the trade on this. David, I thought it was uh, that outwardly they have to do this. But unlike a a former president who tweeted and poked them in the eye, what I am told is that outwardly like this, internally, it's about strategic and recognition that they're a great power. But we got to we got to be able to be strong on the issues that that you talk about endlessly. Well, there
4: there are so many areas of potential conflict. And it's something we're going to be talking about for years to come. But there's
3: not going to be in the open. They're not going to have, like, my great friend President Xi and then trashing him in Twitter. Right. That's not going to happen. No. It's not.
1: I believe you. Thank you. (laughs) Let's get the opening bell, uh, guys, in the S&P at the bottom of your screen. As we said, looking for a little more uh, stabilization as yields came back a touch. And, of course, quad witching, as we said at the top of the hour. Uh, will uh, make the last few hours of trading interesting. One comp- uh, company that's highly leveraged, of course, to China, Jim, uh, is Nike. And uh, that revenue miss, uh, North America revenue, uh, uh, Forex neutral down 11. Uh, advertising expenses down 18, although companies seems to think they can make this back up. Yeah,
3: Nike, China, 42%. That's an extraordinary number. When well, you keep hearing this thing over and over again, port congestion, global container st- uh, a shortage. Now, look, I, I think, Donahoe, this was a great call other than this. They were very certain that they're going to make things up. Uh, the, gross, uh, the gross margins here, highest ever, really fantastic. Uh, but what di- does get me a little bit confused, maybe, David, you can shine a light on this. Why do these companies, uh, and major American companies, accept the fact that over and over again we have port congestion and global container problems? Why haven't they figured out, make it onshore? Is, are we that expensive, David, to make things here that we have to put up? These companies just accept the fact that they missed whole seasons because of, uh,
4: of tie-ups and ports? Why don't they just build their factories here? Well, there are companies that have chosen to do that, right? There are companies yeah. that have moved things back. I know Some, it's not, not, not enough, not, maybe, no. maybe not many, but for those very reasons you mentioned. But I just what is um, going on with port congestion forever? I, I don't know. Maybe you want to bring it up for the infrastructure bill. Maybe there can be something done there. I don't know. I would like to. I'd like to do that. You would. Yeah,
3: I do. There's a lot of reasons. There's uh, environmental reasons. There's labor issues. But, Carl, we've got to stop with this whole idea that there are. Do you know where a lot of the semiconductors are? They're in the cargo. They're in cargo, literally in containers and they're stuck. This is not just all about just in time and they screwed up. The way that these chips have come from Taiwan, they are sitting wherever, I don't know, under the Golden Gate Bridge, Carl. I mean, it really is amazing how many of our very good companies chose to ship container ship. And a lot of this was, by the way, because a lot of the semiconductor companies used to send their their chips in the hold of commercial aircraft. And the commercial aircraft between us and Taiwan, South Korea, has been cut in half. So they decide to put them on these ships, and look what happens. Just incredible. Untold Uh, story.
1: Now, I know. And we've we've got other companies, Jim, uh, in other industries, obviously. But, um, you know, Peloton uh, switched to air freight at a much higher cost to get some of those bikes uh, to North America. Speaking of all of the shortages that we've been uh, tracking, it was GM earlier in the week. Today it's Ford uh, curtailing some production, uh, although they add that it was accounted for in their prior guidance. Toyota now, Jim, uh, the FT is saying they came within hours of shutting down some plants because of supply shortages as the cold snap here threatened global car production. And we've talked all week about the level of um, sales to, uh, inventory to sales ratios in the car business.
3: Yeah, well, look, I do think that this uh, very important, my travel trust owns this big uh, Farley, uh, Jim Carcart Farley, uh, the the CEO, uh, does upgrade the stock. And and it's a very, very positive note. But it does say that there's going to be a big spring investor day where everybody's going to know about this. Well, by the spring, I think that the, uh, the plastic plants problems will be solved. And I think that the European profitability, there is good progress there. They do need the chips. Uh, I still believe that this is for gear. I really believe that. And I also think that Mary Barr is doing a great job at GM and that the SPAC attack that David talks about, the EV SPAC, we've seen the peak,
4: David. Seen the peak for the EV SPACs. Well, well yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. they've all been getting crushed lately, so it's kind of oh, easy to Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, worse that. Yeah. Lordstown's one of them. You talked to you gave us your feelings about that yesterday, without a doubt. Right. Um, but many specs are getting hurt right now. I mean, they they took up sort of. A, and listen, the issuance continues at an incredible pace. I think we got the numbers. we
3: were last night.
4: Oh, every day. Every day. Are we in like are we in now like the celebrity D-list back? No, we're in. I mean, you know, we're up to fours and fives and sixes. They like to use the Roman numerals a lot. You know that. And I did I did some of them yesterday for you. But, yeah, it it, it never ends. I mean, I just look at my inbox and see who's priced and what's priced um, overnight. It 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 uh, it continues. Uh, 275, I think. Right. That's the number. I think we have a full screen we can show people just this year. How many SPACs have already gone public? Uh, I believe is around 275 of them. Now, that that will get to in a minute. But well, how many of them are real? There it is. 275 in and, 2021, and real, 2000, number, 248 last, all of last year. By the the way, number last that are like MP materials? Well, I, you know, and then I, I'm, t- I'm keeping an eye for SPACs that have fallen under 10. Now, we, we, you just saw that. These are deals that are already announced, but, pe- but not de-SPAC. In other words, they haven't actually yes. become. Uh, they're still in the SPAC, so to speak. They're still waiting for the approval. Kismet. Uh, but, yeah, all those trading below uh, 10, which is an interesting prospect. you got to get it above. You want to get your approvals. You don't want to have the endless redemptions. You want to get the deal done, but uh, that's one. And then you've got, obviously, many SPACs that have already gone public but are trading at or near the 10 bucks and certainly not up the way they did, Jim. This is, you know, this is uh, another Area of the market that has suffered greatly as a result of this move up in, in yields that we've been talking about.
3: Well, year. David, is this the equivalent of
4: breaking the buck in uh, cash reserves? Well, not really, because you are you can get your 10 bucks back. You can redeem. Remember, so why does trust just go and get and buy and Kismet? Prejudice?
3: Could be Kismet to
4: buy Kismet. You could. I mean, now, by the way, these have already been announced. They likely still will be uh, approved. You know, they'll still happen. And then the question is, is the company worth, you know, you're doing your basic valuation work. The same way people are on many of these others, um, and you want to try and understand what it's what it's worth. Um, so we'll see. But there is that opportunity still to redeem um, and, and or say no to a deal uh, and get your ten bucks. So uh, we'll see, guys. Um, I what you want I mean, you saw it, Jim the 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 H I G unsolicited unsolicited right. bid from Chubb to acquire uh, Hartford Financial. Uh, Bloomberg wrote the story uh, late, not even late, midday yesterday. Hartford shares shot up uh, and it has been confirmed that uh, they did deliver a proposal to acquire Hartford, that is, Chubb did. Uh, roughly 65 bucks is what they're talking about. It is, they say, a majority cash and stock. I'm hearing that majority may be 55%, but I, don't hold me to that. I'm sort of giving you a range, but not, not 80%. Okay, um, We're talking far lower than that, but a majority in cash. Uh, Most of the analysts coming out this morning are saying we think Hartford's worth a lot more than 65. I'm just looking at even Raymond James here, 75 to 85. That's an average. Uh, Targets were acquired on average for 14.3 P.E. or 1.8 times uh, price over book. And that gets you to 75 to 85. There it is. Uh, or more might be enough for HIG shareholders to approve. We'll see. By the way, you've got regulators in there, including Connecticut. They don't want to be losing jobs in Hartford. No doubt about that, Jim. So you've got to imagine Chubb has got to make some promises there if they were ever to move forward. But, you know, we got a very brief statement from Hartford. But just that last line, that la- the board of directors committed to acting in the best interest of shareholders over the long term. Over the long term just makes you think they're definitely not going to say yes to 65. And the question is, do they engage or not? Uh, I've heard very limited engagement prior to them getting this letter. By the way, Chubb missed the window for nominating directors, making this sort of more of a true hostel, even though very tough to do in a highly regulated business like this. So we'll, we'll see. Um, some perhaps surprised Hartford is hanging in there at 68. I mean, it should be where? Down, already below that, right? Maybe, maybe lower, just given the... The likelihood they say no thank you and, uh, and you know, what is Chubb really left with here? That said, we'll see. You get some turnover in the shareholder base. Again, they're nominating windows over, so there's not going to be like they're coming after on that. You do have to make them, you know, you've got to make sure the regulators are happy with you. Um, we'll watch it closely. Big potential deal, Carl, uh, in insurance. Should Chubb actually be able to prevail here, get a dialogue going, and obviously offer a good deal more than the 65 they came in with initially? Hmm. Price to book uh,
3: is always pretty cheap there, Carl. Yeah, that's a very inexpensive stock, or yep, very inexpensive.
1: Uh, we mentioned uh, some of the calls, Jim, that we didn't get to yet. Uh, Petco was one. B of A goes to buy uh, twenty eight, implies twenty four percent upside. Uh, I think the uh, title of the report is "Pup, Pup and Away." I know you've been uh, bullish on uh, the overall tailwinds, but they do cite the ongoing. Uh, I wouldn't call a boom necessarily, but the very strong tailwind of pet adoption in this country, at least.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, there's no doubt about it that one of the the uh, great things that occurred during this period was a lot of pets adopted, not just uh, well-bred, the, the kill centers uh, really rapidly diminishing uh, these guys at Petco, Ron say They say 400,000 uh, dogs just this last quarter. I did focus also on, on DoorDash and that deal, which challenges Chewy, Now we know Chewy, David. What do we know about Chewy's co-founder? We haven't mentioned him today. Ryan Cohen. We know he likes ice cream and frogs, and he wants a higher price for GameStop. GameStop. And his plan—it's got big plans. Crypto, big. They're just big. Is crypto? How about maybe buying a national chain? These are your plans. Yes, of of gaming palaces. Are they your plans? Gaming Gaming palaces. Gaming palaces. Gaming palaces. Look, Carl. I have offered this guy more plans, and he has refused. To pay any attention to me. And, uh, you know, uh, he does make me feel a little bit like about, you know, I want to say it, reference to Mo Green. I feel a little Mo Green like.
1: Mm. Yeah. You can't talk to me like that, Corleone. Well, I mean, is
3: there even, is there anything, a plaque? Is there anything that that represents any of the work that I've done about Vegas? It was just a, a stop for GIs
4: on the way to Los Angeles. I was. Bugsy Siegel, right? Mo Green? Yeah. Well, I didn't mind. No, okay. But that was a good movie, too. The Warren Beatty movie. <laughs> I didn't like Learned that. a lot. Really, you learned a lot about yes, the history of Las Vegas. The and Flamingo.
1: And he yeah, was very yeah. true. Yeah.
4: But Carl, it is
3: a, the pet theme, whether it be Zoetis, uh, Idex. Uh, there's just it's an Alanco is making a comeback here. We know Alanco David, a bit of a challenge there. Right. And people thought it was too cheap. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the the this is the humanization of pets, Carl. And it's a real and lasting trend at three million new uh, pet owners. Uh, look, the millennials, what do they do? Not that I know what they do. Like David's probably closer to that, but they buy a new house and then they get a pet
1: and then you got to take care of the pet. Right. Right. And then complain about their work week. Right. <laughs> oh, my God.
4: That's not millennials. That's like, what is this?
1: Goldman Sachs? Who are the
4: who are the 20? I mean, it,
3: you don't hear any Morgan Stanley people complaining. Really? Yeah. A hundred hours a week's a lot of hours. That is just ridiculous, David.
4: All right. Sorry.
3: I always let people pick which day they didn't want to work over the weekend, depending upon their, you know, which day they want to sell, you know,
4: one day religion. a month, one day a month yep. or every every one, week- one
3: weekend, six day eight weeks. All right. And if you got in after 6 6 a.m., I threw a bottle at you <laughs> and I hit you, too. Uh, guys, we got some
1: there. some pretty pronounced weakness here in the, the banks on the expiration of that uh, S.L.R. extent. Um, sorry, x, S.L.R. exemption. Let's get to Bob Passani. Hey, Bob.
7: Yeah, that's about the only weakness, Carl. We have a mercifully flattish open after a confusing and really difficult trading week. Remember, we've got a quadruple witching today. We're going to have a lot of volume. Uh, toward the close but take a look at the sectors and uh, as I said mercifully kind of on the flattish side um, nothing really tremendous you see the banks are, are weak here uh, I think that's important here let's just put up some of the banks here and as Carl said the Fed is not going to extend that SLR rule that's that pandemic pandemic crisis rule that allowed uh, banks to relax their capital levels uh, so there's some concern here that the banks might have to apply more capital against their holdings maybe they'll have to sell treasuries uh, maybe they won't be be able to buy back as much stock there's a lot of vague concerns about this, but you can see some nominal weakness. Uh, the bigger issue is just the confusion this week. I mean, it's just been head spinning to try to figure out what the trends are this week. So remember, the main narrative was pretty simple. Starting this week, inflation replaced COVID as the primary market risk. Everyone came into the week saying, thank goodness. COVID's behind us. Now we have to deal with inflation. And yet yesterday we got smacked in the face, reminded with these European lockdowns in Paris and in other parts of Europe, that COVID's not gone away, that there are variants that may be very difficult in the future. And that... Created other problems in energy stocks that had been rallying. At the same time, we've seen these value stocks suddenly they've become momentum stocks. The question is, does that keep up or not, or do we go back to growth? Nobody quite has a lot of conviction on on many things, except the idea that rates are moving up. So if you just look, the good news is big cap tech stocks haven't been damaged too much this week. By and large, the declines have been fairly modest here. You see three or four percent declines, uh, and even Apple's just fractionally on the downside right now. The other sectors, the thematic tech ETFs that everybody loves, those clean energy stocks and the gaming stocks, the cloud computing stuff and Kathy Woods and Arc Innovation, if you put that up, they've hit been hit a lot more. So ARC Innovation was down about 5%. If you put up that next one, you see those declines are more notable. Uh, and that may be an issue. But these people tend to get in and out very quickly because they can with the ETFs. The value stocks have become momentum stocks. Now, energy stocks got hit badly yesterday. But by and large, a lot of those mid-level consumer names, the, the McDonald's and the Mercs and the Whirlpools of the world, uh, put that up there. Uh, they were hit uh, and uh, had rebounded nicely. they would held up well this week. GE's having a fairly good week. So in the last month, these value stocks have become momentum names. The reopening trade, by and large, is continuing with the exception of energy. So airlines and home builders and autos are doing pretty well uh, on the week, if you take a look at that. I think the main thing here, it's put up that final full screen, is that everything is speeding up a little bit, Carl. There's this been hyper acceleration in trading. It's not the speed of trading that's changed. It's that the retail traders seem to have access to a lot more data. And as a result, the trading activity is much higher than it was even a year ago. And you know, there was a joke going around, Carl, that, that eventually what's happening here is my artificial intelligence trading mechanism is going to interact with your artificial trading intelligence mechanism in the future. And they're all going to be really smart. Maybe, Carl, it's not going to be Renaissance Capital smart, maybe not James Simon smart, but my AI trading device is going to get darn good. And they're getting a lot better. And traders have access to more information. And as a result, they're trading more. And there's a feeling that Trading is just speeding up. That's one thing that I hear from the trading desk all the time. Very hard to get your head around it, but change is happening really fast. Carl, back to you.
1: Uh, that's such a good point, Bob. Uh, thanks, Bob Pasani. Certainly not unique to equities either. Let's get to Rick Santelli. Hey, Rick.
5: Hi. You know... I always am somewhat critical when I see a Fed chairman or chairwoman doing things that I just don't really agree with. I'm rather opinionated in this regard on the SLR, the supplementary leverage ratio. My hat is off to Mr. Powell, Chairman Powell and the Fed to end this COVID-19 capital break. You know, you could load up on deposits, load up on treasuries, and the amount of set-aside capital to protect it was diluted. This is a good thing. You know, after the credit crisis, a lot of these things lingered well beyond their expiration date. My hat's off to them to do it. It's going to be uncomfortable. See, the problem is when you put extra glitter in the system, it's very difficult to remove. Now, look at an intraday of tens, and you could see that the market popped. And at current 174 level, we're up three on the day. We're up nine on the week on 30s at 246. We're up one on the day, up eight on the week. Look at a one week of treasuries. You could see the move. And if you open the chart up to early July of 2019, you could see the last time 30s closed here was the end of July. And finally, a three-day of the dollar index, the dollar's back. Back to levels pre-fed. That's important. Open the chart up. We haven't spent a lot of time on the north side of 92 even, as you see on this chart going back to the end of last year. Carl, Jim, David? Back to you. All right, Rick, thank you
1: very much. Uh, So some uh, broad weakness at large this morning. Virtually every S&P sector is flat to down. Dow's down uh, 298, 293, and it's the biggest drop since about March 4th. We're back in a minute. I do think for a business like ours, which is an innovative, collaborative apprenticeship culture... This is not ideal for us, and it's not a new normal. It's an aberration that we're going to correct as quickly as possible. And, you know, in particular, I'm very focused on the fact that I don't want another class of young people arriving at Goldman Sachs in this summer remotely. And so we're going to do everything we can to adapt. That's uh, David Solomon of Goldman Sachs talking about return to work, which he's been pretty adamant about, uh, Jim. You know, Goldman culture is always going to be a fascinating story for the street. We were talking about some of their reported complaints among uh, Goldman employees about the work week, but kind of hard to complain about a stock that's more than doubled in a year. Yeah. And look, I, I think it's
3: very hard for uh, the younger people to distinguish themselves by Zoom it's very hard for uh, the bosses to know who's good so i totally get where david's going because this is a relationship business and uh, you want to find out who can have a relationship i remember uh, david yeah. just when i started yeah. out my friend bill groover who was my boss right. took me to lunch and i didn't eat i had a salad mm-hmm. and he said don't don't order salad that can make a mess order things that are you know your fork here to the left and don't open your mouth when you eat it's very you know th- these were things you were taught right Now, of course, I had, like, gone to Harvard and Harvard Law School, so I had no background whatsoever on how to eat a salad with a fork. Right. But the the important thing was that they wanted to judge you. I see. And you can't distinguish yourself. If you're working 100 hours and your boss is in South Southampton
4: or in West Palm. No, I completely agree. And I know Mr. Solomon has been somewhat frustrated with the pace of of returning employees. Listen, when you talk to the people who run many of these firms where they do believe a collaborative culture is an important one and they need younger people in particular to get inculcated in terms of the culture, they want them back. But I don't think the expectation, Carl, at this point is that you're really going to fully have them back until now they're saying after Labor Day. I'm sure you hear it. I hear it all. How about everyone got vaccinated? Let's just stop this. I, well, or you just say, you know what? You come back or you're fired. They're not now gonna you're do that. talking. They're not going to do that.
1: Oh, It would be great to get a roundtable of uh, Solomon on one end and Benioff on the other and sort of duke <laughs> out what, what the future of work is going to be. Uh, We've got to take a break. We're back in just a moment. Take a look at some of the week-to-date losers on the NASDAQ 100. Names like Zoom Video, Tesla, Okta, Peloton, Trip.com are not too far off of this list. By the way, all these names are down for the month, down for the three months, uh, and the uh, year-to-date, obviously. We're back in a moment.
3: Jim, what's up for a Friday edition of MED? Upstart, biggest stock that was up yesterday. Twilio, one of the greatest performers. And then one for uh, David, who's often Utz. I've got Utz, which is a potato chip company. And uh, snacks, sna- salty snacks. That has done so well. It's one of the few SPACs, Carl, that is a real company. Not a celebrity company. A real company.
1: I know you've, you've talked about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, what a week, Jim. Uh, we'll see you it tonight. It's been a great week. Looking forward to it. All right. Good day. Uh, Yeah, and there's a lot more headed our way next week. Uh, Mad Money, of course, uh, 6 p.m. uh, Eastern time.
6: You've been listening to
1: The Opening Bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street.
6: What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration